0: Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat Writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on?
1: What's up, David? I did, I, I kind of didn't expect it. I don't know. I don't want to say I didn't expect a Heat Trade, but it's Wednesday, the day before the deadline, and we already have a Heat Trade, so... Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think if we thought there was... I think if there was going to be a Heat Trade, we thought it was going to be something small like this one. Um, I guess let's dive right into it then. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. You are in New Orleans, uh, touched down, and then the Heat made a trade, uh, sending KZ Okpala to the Thunder um, for a second-round pick that is basically a nothing second-round pick, right? It's, like, super protected. Like, basically, Heat offload Casey Okpala. Um, obviously, the Thunder take a swing on a – not a former high pick, but a guy who's obviously got some tools and some stuff that the Thunder, who are uh, not yet trying to win games currently, basically, can uh, let him try to develop and maybe see if he can turn into something like the Heat thought he was potentially going to be when they were really high on him and took him in the second round a few years back. The Heat frees up some cap space, frees up really some some luxury tax space, um, basically we'll give them some flexibility to add a couple of guys here and we'll really add one guy and, and do some stuff with Caleb Martin. Um, and the other interesting thing about that deal is the changing of the protections on the first round picks, which gives them heat which gives the heat some extra flexibility uh, with what they can do in terms of trading first round picks for uh, another asset. Uh, let's start with though the immediate implications here. The big one here is for Caleb Martin. Um, Anthony, what does this trade mean for him?
1: Yeah, um, well, the Heat don't want to enter the luxury tax, right? We, we've talked about that many times this year already. They, you know, their the repeater tax is looming. He ran tax last year, um, actually two years ago, um, and you know, if they're in a tax this year. Just puts them one step closer to the, to the to the repeater tax, and you know, that's something the Heat are trying to avoid. So. You know, the Heat have been about $200,000 away all season from the tax right there. So they were going to have to wait until the final week of the regular season just to convert Caleb's contract to a standard deal. Um, and, you know, that was it. I mean, they had no other room, no other roster spots to add anybody else. They were going to use the one empty spot on Caleb. Now, this move by unloading Casey's $1.7 million salary, the Heat all of a sudden has $1.9 million. Um, of room below the tax threshold. So this gives them the ability to, if they wanted to, immediately sign, immediately convert Caleb's contract to a center deal. Um, and now they have an open roster spot since they traded KZ and didn't get a player in return. Um, they can now add a, another player via the buyout market um, to a standard deal as well, uh, minimum deal, and still be under the tax. So this gives the Heat a lot of flexibility, you know, a lot more <laughs> flexibility than they had under the tax. Um, it also, you know, gives the Heat, some room before the, you know if they want to make a, a two for one move before the trade right. deadline they have the the roster spot to do that right um so or yeah they yeah they want to, yeah, if they want to make a two for one if they trade, want to
0: add yeah send one guy out bring two guys in yes right? yeah.
1: exactly yes they, I mean they, they they have now some I think this this move makes sense because it provides flexibility under the tax it provides you know flexibility for the roster and you know with the picks they're able to unlock here um, by Amending the protections on that pick out to OKC, the first round selection. Um, it just makes sense all the way around. I, I think you're right when you opened by saying, this. if they were going to make a move, this is the one we expected. I actually was about, like, I literally had to text, had to message our editor, David, mm-hmm. when this happened. Do not post the story. <laughs> because I was about to post the story. Or he was about to post the story that was kind of advancing the deadline, you know, on the eve of the deadline. And it was outlining kind of how this was the most likely move. I even said, one possible suitor for this move is Oklahoma City because they are the only team with cap space in the NBA. They are like 20 plus million under yeah. the salary cap floor, so they need to add salary. Um, so this was not a huge surprise. Um, but still, you know, just with the way that Heat are playing, you don't expect them to make many changes because they're playing so well. Right. But KZ wasn't a big part of this team, obviously. And this makes sense uh, um, because it, it will help them get better because now they can add another guy uh, for depth here in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have to convert Caleb Martin to a standard contract before the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and for him to be eligible for the postseason, as you noted, they were going to be able to do that. They were just going to have to wait until the last moment, probably. They and still, they might still. They still, still. might do that, obviously. Yeah. Um, because, uh, as you, we were talking right before, he's still – It doesn't change his salary structure or anything like that. It's just – it's kind of a clerical, basically, right?
1: Yeah, I I believe since, you know, two-way contract players' NBA days are basically count as minimum salary days. Right. Um, So, if you're the Heat, there's really no benefit to to converting his contract any earlier than you have to because, you know, knock on wood, if he gets hurt, right, and he's out for the season – all of a sudden, you, that salary is guaranteed, right? And and the Heat won't have any room under the tax at that point to add somebody else in his place. So, uh, I think the Heat will probably wait. That's my that's my thought. Just because it makes sense um, until later in the year to convert his deal. Just because there's really no there's no reason to do it now. It's not like a team can poach him away from the Heat. I mean, he's protected. Right. He's a two-way player. You know, and he's gonna he's eligible for every remaining regular season game. So he'll be eligible for the playoffs because the Heat will convert his deal. Um, but I just think it won't happen right away.
0: Yeah, the, the one, you know, eventually it might be like a make good kind of thing. Like he's been a, a good soldier for them basically. And once, you know, but but for now, like you said, they've got that extra uh, roster spot now. They're going to wait out the buyout market, certainly, um, unless they do one of those two-for-one deals that we outlined. So right now uh, there's no, no need to convert Caleb yet. But eventually we're, we're going to hit a point eventually where, like, The moves are done, right? The NBA, the tables, the deck, the decks are set. Everyone's got their cards. Um, and at that point, uh, I would, I would guess probably they'll give Caleb kind of that make good and, and give him a chance. But as you said, uh, right now, no reason to rush into that. Um, that extra roster spot, you know, the seat team is so deep. And it feels like every week, like there's another, you know, we're kind of past that part of the season now, but, you know, when the Heat were like trying to figure out ways to keep Kyle Guy around, trying to figure out ways to keep, um, uh, uh who am I forgetting? Chris Silver around. Like it was always, you know, it's been these two way guys, these 10 day contract guys rolling in. So the Heat, obviously, you know, they're pretty good at, at working in these mid season additions into important roles. You, know, you saw it with Dwayne Dedman last year. Um, obviously you saw it with, uh, Andre Godala, and especially Jay Crowder during the bubble run, obviously those guys were not, um, you know, free agent signings. They were, they were part of a trade. So a little bit different than those buyout options who are usually guys who have kind of lost a role elsewhere. So in a lot of cases, these buyout guys aren't even playing. Although I guess that Andre Iguodala was in that camp uh, where he had not played before he got to the Heat. So, but, you know, the Heat, you know they're, they're thinking, like, You know, know, Pat and and Andy are are already thinking that whoever they're going to grab for this last roster spot, again, maybe it'll be a trade um, Thursday, but even as a buyout guy, you know they're thinking that whatever they do there is going to be important to them and helpful uh, down the stretch and and even potentially in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and I think it should be noted that um, they have 13 guys in their roster right now to standard deals. Um, That's two below – maximum of 15 NBA teams can only carry 13 for up to two weeks before they're forced to add a 14th guy 14th guy so they have two weeks here to make a decision I mean if they're not gonna if they're gonna wait to convert Caleb deal right um, you know until April or so they have to add a 14th guy in two weeks um now if the, the buyout guy they're looking for is not available yet or if they want to wait it out they could kind of slow play it by signing guy to a 10 day at that point right
0: or they can convert um, Caleb at that
1: point or they could convert Caleb at that point if they want to do that, or you know if they're again. I don't know if they it's not going to be longer.
0: Is the point basically for them. Yeah, it won't be an
1: issue, right? They they could they could either sign a guy to a ten day to kind of wait for more bio guys to come available, or they can 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 convert Caleb. So um, again, they could they could make a signing tomorrow. Like if a guy doesn't get traded, and he's immediately bought out, right? It could it could happen soon, um, or this could take a while. Um, it could take the full two weeks here. Before they make a you know an addition, a 14th sign a 14th player, so um, yeah, that's kind of where things stand. I mean, there's obviously some intriguing bio candidates. I mean, this team is so deep. Yeah. <laughs> to, like you touched on, David. That I don't know if any guy they signed you know via the bio market is going to play in the playoffs for them. But you can never have enough enough depth, and um, there is kind of a need, I guess. If, you have, if this team has any need, it's a power forward, just because he traded KZ, who yeah. obviously won of your power forwards, Markeef. Has not played since November. We don't know if he's going to play again, which we'll get to later on yep. in the episode. Um, PJ Tucker is really only true four, right? At this point, I mean, yeah, I guess I mean, Jimmy could play.
0: Some, yeah, I mean, Jimmy's four, kind of Kate, a four. Like, the like four. yeah, you yeah. go big with Bam at the four next to Deadman or whatever. But yeah, we're not. We don't see that very much.
1: No, and if PJ yeah. gets hurt, then you're really thin there. Um, so. Um, it, it is, you know, somewhat of a need, and if there is a guy that becomes available that fits that spot, you would think the Heat would would kind of make, would address that that uh, that hole they have in the roster.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, we when you talk buyout guys, the story it's been like such a big storyline I feel like over the last couple of years because these guys tend to kind of go to the super teams, right? Like how many of the the Nets get last year? Obviously, LeBron's always luring guys. A lot of those teams are kind of in shaky positions. Like, the teams that you usually – like, the Nets and Lakers, I think, are the guys who – the teams that every year you come in and you're like – at least over the last couple – you know, really last year, I guess, mostly. But, you know, teams like that are always the teams you're like, those are the guys that are going to attract the the buyout guys. Um, This year, those two teams are – I mean, if you're a buyout guy, do you want to go to Brooklyn right now? Probably not. Maybe you want to go to L.A. because you get to play with LeBron and you just trust LeBron and – um. You get to live in LA, but Miami, I think, is going to be uh, as attractive a buyout destination as there is this year. You know, I don't know like what the net the Suns and and Warriors like bottom of the roster looks like, and whether they're going to be heavily in the market for buyout guys. But the Heat, as we said, we know they need they have a need, and I think they can kind of sell that power forward component, like you're saying. Uh, to, you know, we've got a couple guys that we were talking about before. Uh, We started recording Thad Young, Serge Ibaka, Paul Millsat. Like, I don't know. Those are guys who, if they're out there as free agents, um, I, I have to think the Heat would be yeah. one of the two or three most attractive destinations. Again, maybe the Suns or, or the, the Warriors are a little bit more attractive. Um, but, again, I don't know what their roster setup looks like. To the same yeah, no, it may, those two guys make sense, right? If they're available, yeah. veterans,
1: experienced, uh, fit that four moles can play in the heat system. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, the only thing I would say to that, kind of as a counterpoint to the argument you just made, I, I guess other other contenders can offer more playing time, right? Because right. if Correct. this team is healthy, yeah, yeah if this team is healthy. They again, they might not play much, um, because you know, if PJ Tucker's. Available and full complement of the rotations available. I, I just don't know if they'll be if they'll have they'll get minutes because again this team is so deep and you kind of we already know the top eight top nine um, of this roster. So that's the only thing. Um, but yes, I agree. I think the Heat has obviously a great situation. It's a good team. Thank you for a good organization. You get to play in Miami, um, and yeah, so I, I I think they will be able to add someone that will help them. Uh, be in the buyer market if they go that route, because there, there seems to be um, a few a few appealing options that will be available. Um, one that I think we need to mention, even though it's not really a need, yeah, um, is Goran. Yep. I don't know if it's going to be possible because the Heat traded him in this in this calendar year, or this NBA calendar yeah. year. Yeah. Um, they can't like directly acquire him from Toronto, even though Toronto's looking to trade him uh, or move him. Um, but if the if the Raptors trade him to a team and that team buys him out immediately or at any point, he is then eligible to sign with the Heat. And that is not out of the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, that almost feels so, like me, I think.
1: Yes. I mean, it looks like a team might just take him on and then buy him out um, just to get off bad money. Um, so at that point, if you're the Heat, do you sign him? I mean, again, I don't know how much he would play, but it just would make for a good story. I'm sure Gordon would be happy. He's been around in Miami a lot. We've all seen him in game at home games. Um, seen him around the arena, even though you know he's, he's away from the, oh, he's away from the Raptors. Would you go after him or do you think it just doesn't make sense basketball wise right now?
0: I mean, I think I would rather have one of you know, those we mentioned those three power forwards. I think I would rather have any of those three be, assuming Marquise is not coming back. Um, well again, we'll talk about that in a little bit here, but you know, I know, it, like, there's a sentimental appeal to bringing Goran Dragic back. And Goron is probably, I like that Young, but probably a better player than a lot of those guys. Um, but like you said, it's just, I don't know, he's obviously not going to play over Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, Gabe Vincent has been, you know, like, I guess come playoff time, probably he's ahead of maybe Gabe Vincent. But again, Gabe's been really good for this team, and Goran has not played obviously at all this season. So I just think there's bigger needs than than bringing Goran back. But if you if you get through the buyout market and he's available, and I don't know, you can't land a that young or whatever one of these other power fours that you feel is really going to help you, then yeah, bring Goran back. Why not?
1: Be good yeah, for right? Yeah, I, I I mean I agree, I know if, I know for a fact a few players would be very happy.
0: Yeah, but it's a secret. Yeah.
1: Yeah, by, by, by him coming back, um, I think that that's obvious. And you know, uh, you know, a backcourt of Kyle Lowry and then Goran coming off the bench is certainly appealing. Um, but you know, like you said, you have Tyler Hero, you have Kyle Lowry who are going to get most of the minutes. Even yeah. Gabe Vincent has proven to be a really uh, serviceable yeah. player off the bench.
0: Yeah, yeah and we better than Gabe Vincent, but he hasn't played all year, so like.
1: Yes. Right. 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 So how, yeah, we don't. It's kind of the uncertainty of what he can bring at this point. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, and it's could be all for not if on Thursday they add a 14th guy in, in and right. in, in a one in a you know a, a trade where they they add a player. So we'll see. But I, I have to think that the thought in making this deal is not only. Because you know KZ really is not contributing to this team right now. He hasn't played since December. Um, he hasn't. He never found a consistent spot in the Heat rotation. Um, kind of struggled with different circumstances his entire career. Whether it was COVID, kind of you know starting on the G League season, he wasn't able to get, you know playing time in the G League and get that experience. Summer leagues, you know, no summer league last year. His first summer league, he wasn't able to participate in because of the timing of the trade uh, on draft night. Um, so just a, a lot of things worked against KZ, um, but uh, man, I forgot where I was going. I forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, like I, I think the trade makes a lot of sense. Um, just because, like we talked about, the flexibility, below the tax, the roster flexibility, and it, it allows this team to to look outside to improve. Um, it gives them the room um, to add a guy via bio like we've been talking about, or to make a trade and fill that. For that spot with the trade so uh, when I when I saw the trade it was a little bit surprising but it makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons
0: yeah I guess that leads to the next you know and this is going to be outdated by the time by yeah. what, 3 pm is the trade deadline tomorrow um so I don't know do you think this is setting up another trade Thursday do you think they are this was the the first domino or do you think it was just totally about get that flexibility yeah. set up? And I if, think if the right trade comes about and you can be the third team to facilitate something like, or do you think they have in mind that they want to add uh, a little bit more here?
1: I think the the primary objective was just to add flexibility. Um, it doesn't mean a trade can't happen, but I think right. when they made this move, it was like, okay, this, this gives us the ability to make a trade if we want, like it gives us, it gives them more room under the tax to make it, to take in more money. Right now they have That's 1.9 that. million to take in. Um, instead of just being having basically two hundred thousand, um, so it just gives them more flexibility all, all around, and it puts them in a better position to make a trade if they want to, or again, sign a free agent. Yeah, in the coming weeks,
0: I gotta um, say a, a one pop for two, but yeah, a one for two does not feel like it would make a lot of sense at this Heat team that is so deep. They they don't they don't need to get deeper.
1: I agree. I agree. I, I think I, I don't think that's likely. I think what's more likely is nothing happens. Nothing else happens, and, and they add a guy via the a market. Yeah.
0: Um, what about so the, the other big component of this trade is uh, the Heat now can actually trade some first round picks. Um, so they they changed up some of the protections on the. What was it? Was a twenty twenty five? It was like um. Just run me through how the protection Yeah. you got You know all the details. The, heat, the
1: heat always have the most complicated trades. Yeah, it's they like, do. They do. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, I, a
0: bunch of people trying to clean like out exactly what the details were.
1: It's a um, math
0: problem. Of this, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so basically before it was a 2023 protected pick that the Heat owned Oklahoma City.
0: And it had protections – until 2026. Conveyed, yeah, until 2026. So it could have kept. It could have been a 2024, it could have been a 2025, right. it could have been a 2026.
1: So, so with that, the Heat weren't able to trade an unprotected first-round pick until 2028, uh, before this trade.
0: Because of the Stepian rule, which yes. prevents teams from being able to trade first-round picks in back-to-back years. Yeah. So if, and that, if that had taken until 2026 to convey... Yeah. Then you would not have been allowed to trade that 2027, and the NBA protects you as much as possible, basically.
1: Yeah, and you can trade a pick um, more than seven drafts into the future. So, 2028 is basically the only unprotected, or was the only unprotected right. fresh-round pick. And price.
0: for a long time, there were basically no picks they could trade. No
1: future Yeah, picks. up until this year, basically, because yeah. now the 20 now 2028 is seven years away, seven yeah. drafts away. So, now it's eligible to be traded. So, yeah, this is the first year, pretty much, that they've been able to trade an unprotected fresh-round pick. So that
0: that deeply protected pick now becomes
1: what? 2025. So it's protected lottery. I think it's lottery protected 2025. And then if it doesn't convey, then it's 2026 unprotected.
0: Which means the Heat can now not trade a 2025, 2026, 2027, or 2024. But they can trade this year's pick or next year's pick, not both.
1: Yeah, or 2026. Plus
0: that twenty eight.
1: Pick. Yes, correct. Right, right. So they right. can
0: now use. Now they have two traits, two first round picks to use in any kind of deal that comes about. And again, it doesn't seem like there's going to be something that happens Thursday that they'll need those picks for. But those are really useful once you get to the off season and uh, all stars are on the move.
1: Yeah, um, and they could use it on Thursday, right? I mean, it's possible. I mean, they just have uh, more. They have they have more at their disposal now. I mean, yeah, it's just, all
0: of a sudden, Damian Lillard is available. Like, yes, hey, you got something.
1: right. This, but yes i think this is a more uh, a play for just putting themselves in position for the offseason if something that appeals to them comes their way i mean for all we know this heat team could lose in the first round or second round of playoffs and they do want to make at that point want to make a trade for a star yeah. and get Bradley Beal or something and now they have a few more picks to make that happen um so yeah it, it and and the 2025 pick i mean if if that conveys in 2025 um then you could trade 2027 and right. you know, it, it unlocks more. So it just it, it's it's not four years of draft protections, it's only two and it's an, and it's and it frees up, you know, the the immediate years where you don't have to wait till twenty twenty eight to be able to deal a pick. Yeah. Um, so I know that's been a talking point for years now of how you were ever gonna be able to unlock those draft picks with the thunder. Yeah um, and found a way. But basically just Trading KZ. And I think, and for those asking, like, why would OKC do this? Um, it's a fair question. Um, along, because it really, I mean, they are in the, they are, do have cap space and they do need to add salary because they're having reached the salary cap floor. But I mean, I think, you know, KZ is so, such a small contract that it doesn't really do much. And
0: yeah, it's a drop in, in the box. Yeah, it's
1: not, it's not much. Um, so by pushing the, the pick from 2023 to 2025, the thought is, there's a better chance it might be a better pick for OKC. Because the Heat are going to be pr- pretty good Um, yeah.
0: for the next couple of for years. The next
1: few years. 2025, Kyle Lowry's basically his contract is done. Jimmy's, what, How 35 or so? 36 maybe? Um, it, there's there's the idea of, well, there's a better chance that they it could be a better first-round pick. So I think yeah. that was the thinking of
0: uh, the Thunder. And it, it does help the Thunder to just have a little bit more certainty of, you know, because they, I say it all, all the time with them, like they're, I, I know everyone talks about all the picks they have, but their end goal is not to draft 25 players. Their end goal is to find a couple good draft picks and then eventually put a bunch of those picks together and make a, a trade for a, another star probably. And um knowing what that pick is, like that Heat pick is was, I don't, you know, it was, when you're trading for them. So what was it? it? was 2023. It was a 2023 pick that could have waited to convey all the way till 2027. And, like, you know, that's, that's like a fun little pick to have. But it's also like, you know, the guys you draft in 2023, or the your, what your roster looks like in 2023 going into that draft, looks a whole lot different than your roster is going to look in 2027. So it, it helps to know when you're going to have that sure. pick.
1: Yeah, it's a smaller points. window. It's a smaller yeah. window. It helps both sides. It helps the heat, too. Not having all those picks tied up for all those years. Right. And it helps the Thunder know, okay, we're either going to get this in 2025 or we're going to get in 2026. Right. Yeah, like, live you, live you
0: don't live. have – that young player you're waiting on, you, or that young player you, you don't have to know – you don't have to worry about whether you're getting them right now or literally in, like, a year. Like, the difference between that is a, a kid who is a – junior in high school now and a kid who is in middle school now. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge difference Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, when that pick actually shows up, especially given how fast the NBA calendar shifts, like how yeah. fast teams' stars are moving and te- windows are opening and closing. So make, it, it not surprising to me that the Thunder, I guess, were open to it. And they get, you know, a little something out of it with Casey, who, as you mentioned, helps fill the salary a little bit, but I think more he's still kind of an intriguing enough prospect. For a team like the Thunder, that is just like, yeah.
1: rolling out bodies, and, and he might never play for the Thunder. He, he's going to be a yeah. free agent on this offseason. I mean, I guess they would have his bird rights, right? But um, it might be a case of like he just becomes a free agent, and
0: yeah, it's a lottery ticket.
1: Yeah, basically, right, right, right. And he, who knows if he will play again? I mean, he's been out for two almost two months, right, um, with that wrist injury. Down, you know, it's labeled as a sprained wrist, but seems to be a pretty severe, you know, serious wrist injury to keep him out for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it is. That's part of it for the Thunder. But I think um, the other aspect was just the fact that yeah, it, it kind of gives them some clarity in, with the, like the Heat's pick, and also, you know, the Heat are going to be pretty good as we've seen here uh, for the next few years. So gives them a better chance to maybe having a better pick down the road if if they if they you know extend it out into the future a little more. Um, but I I just think yes, in that regard, to make sense for the Thunder, but for the Heat, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, it's obvious. It was so many wins. Yeah, th- they've thing.
0: been wanting to do this for a long yeah. time. You know, yeah. Just, every time one of these stars came available, it's just like the Heat had no way to do it, unless like in a Kyle Lowry situation where the guy's like, I'm going here or like or or else basically. It's yeah. really hard to get a all star level player with no first round picks to trade out. Yeah. And that was the situation they were in. You know, even, even you know, like, if the Damian Lillard trade was to come about in the offseason, it was going to have to be, like, Tyler Hero and stuff, and now they have the stuff. You know, is Tyler Hero untouchable now? Who knows? But they have the stuff now. You always needed and stuff, and now they got the stuff.
1: Any trade that helps you, your current roster and um, your future position for trade yeah, good. And draft and salary and all that, like, yeah, it's a successful trade. So I, I would, if I had to grade this trade, yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change the trage- trajectory of the, this Heat team right now, but it's an, it's an A trade just because yeah, of right. uh, what it does, you know, in all facets. For, for
0: yeah, a. it's like an A trade on like one of those five point quizzes you would take in yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in high school. Like, it doesn't really affect your GPA a whole lot, your overall grade, but you still got an A, right. still went five for five.
1: Yeah, still, not, still doesn't hurt you for sure.
0: All right. Uh, let's wrap things up by talking about the Marquise Morris situation. Uh, you and Barry Jackson reported was that over the weekend, I think. Yeah. Um, over the that Marquise, um, there's kind of a I don't know if disagreement. It, I don't think disagreement is the right word, right? It's right. a concern from the Heat side, and Marquise actually I think said there was con- I think he tweeted after that story came out that there's like concern on both sides um, about his. Uh, is it spine, neck? What, what's the exact diagnosis you guys have reported that that there's concern about? Yeah, you know the whiplash. He's obviously been out since the uh, Nikola Jokic incident, where he got pushed from behind. He's been out with whiplash, is what they've had on the injury report. Um, but obviously it, it is a larger, like systemic issue, I guess, in his back, spine, neck area.
1: Yeah, I, the specific medical concern isn't clear. Um, but it's a, it's it's obviously the neck, you know, back, spinal cord area. Um, and it's just more of a liability issue, I think, that the heaters are, are worried about, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of brings back memories of Chris Bosch and his yeah, situation. I think that's
0: um, the, the one thing that goes through everyone's yeah. mind when you hear something like this.
1: And, and I'll say this, like, Marquise he has been active on Twitter in the last few months, and he's going to come back soon. But he, you know, obviously he wants to play. I mean, that's not a surprise, right? Any yeah. player who feels healthy... Wants to go out and play. That's what they do for a living. They want to express themselves on the court, um, and they feel healthy enough to do it. They're going to want to play. Um, so there's a disagreement, I think, there, right, where the player wants to play, and the team is like, "Hey, let's let's wait and see what you know. Yeah. Let's wait and see for more uh, another diagnosis or talk to more doctors or kind of see what's going on." Um, so I think that's maybe the nature of the "quote unquote" disagreement. Although. It hasn't been, and like it hasn't been a public disagreement, I would say, right? Like you said, uh, it hasn't really been.
0: Yeah, he's been uh, practicing, and like he's been yeah. around the team. Yeah, like, it's not like he's just like.
1: And he, and he's obviously been cleared for to do some things. I mean, he's he's been on the court, like you said, he's been part of some practices at least, part of, you know, limited participant at least. Yeah. before games, you see him on the main court working out with Anthony Carter. Um, so he's able to do some stuff, We just haven't seen him playing games yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, I this is just me connecting us connecting the dots. Um, but. You know, this is part of his history. In January 2019, when he was with the Wizards, um, he missed six weeks with neck and upper back stiffness. And he was diagnosed with uh, uh, basically, I can't even pronounce it, but transient (laughs) cervical neuropraxia. It's it's basically a cervical spine injury. So um, this shove by Jokic, I'm sure, did not help him, right? Um, And you have to think that's kind of part of what's going on here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it doesn't mean that Marquise is not going to play this season. I, you know, I think that's still kind of trying to be worked out. Um, but there is a lot of question of whether he will play again this year um, just because of the injury and the nature of it and, and the Heat's concern of, over it.
0: Yeah, terrible situation, obviously, overall. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it's just crazy how things unfolded. And, and you know, at that point, obviously, Jokic probably did not know what he was, the the, the impact of what he did, right, at that point in the moment. Yeah. The moment he was just upset. Um, But he was suspended for one game. I mean, Marquise, if he doesn't play again, will miss, you know, what? He played in like 20 games, I yeah, would say, maybe not basically, even. Basically, yeah. Yeah, he missed like 60 games. Well, it's um,
0: whatever playoff games.
1: Yeah, and, who? I mean, I'm not saying his career is over, but you just don't know, right? You just don't know with an injury like this at the heat or that concern. You just don't know. So, um, yeah, that, that shove, now looking back on it, it was bad in the moment, but it's just gotten worse as time has gone on because you've seen the effects of What it's done to Marquise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I I think when it was like he was out, like whatever we thought was just whiplash. And I think we, you know, people are always kind of speculating that there was something more to it because it seemed strange he was out for so long with whiplash. But even, you know, at the time, it's like, oh man, what like a a freak, like injury accident kind of thing. It's like, has obviously wound up to be, uh, maybe it's still a freak injury. I don't know if that's what we would call it or freak medical condition. But, um, yeah, it's obviously it obviously was more than just like a you know it's it's a, it's different than a guy who gets pushed from behind lands on his wrist and breaks his wrist because he right. lands awkwardly like it it is sounds seems to be again we don't know the exact medical condition or what the exact holdup is here but um, seems to be at least somewhat serious you know we've uh, obviously you know you think of the Chris Bosh situation yeah you know, I think I Amon Richards it was like. Same kind of deal when he, or nice. Miami receiver, like basically had to have, he had to have his career. And because a freak like kid some, it was never like he was going to get paralyzed if he played again, but there was like a concern that if he got hit the wrong way, then it could be some lasting damage. And um that, again, we don't know what exactly Marquise situation is, but that's that kind of liability thing you're talking about. We're like, Sure, if he, like, that's the thing. He probably feels fine, and he probably, like, 99.9% chance if he played in an NBA game, he would get through it totally unscathed. But there's just that whatever percentage chance that uh, whatever this issue is could, could be more serious.
1: Yeah, and, and this team feels, I mean, basketball is a lot less serious when you're talking about a situation like this and someone's playing a long-term health, but the Heat seems like, the roster is pretty complete right now, just because everything's yeah. clicking. But I, I do think a healthy Marquise Morris would really help them um, from a depth perspective. Like we've been saying, I mean, they, they do need that that second power forward that they know they could turn to if he's needed. I mean, maybe in some games he doesn't play because of the matchup, um, but Marquise really could help this team. He could play center, he could play power forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy is he's the guy just, we thought uh, was going to maybe be a starter at the beginning of the year. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, he could shoot threes. He could, he's versatile defender. He could switch. Um, and, again, he, he probably can play up a little better than PJ because he's, he's bigger yeah, as he, far as, like, height-wise oh, yeah, than PJ. 10, yeah. yeah, so he is someone that would really, I think, help this team. But, again, I just don't know. I don't mean, think the team knows if he'll be available again this season. Although, you know, it's worth knowing that Marquise has, has repeatedly tweeted over the last few months, and after, including after the story came out, yeah. that he will play again this season. So I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, so he's optimistic at least. Um, and him being optimistic makes me a little more optimistic, right? The fact that he <laughs> has been around, not just been around the team, but, you know. And, and Marquise always been an outspoken uh, character, I would say, in the NBA. Um, but I, I think the fact that he's been so adamant about coming back makes me a little bit more hopeful that, that we're going to see him at some point. But, again, he's missed a lot of time now. This, Like you said, this team has really kind of settled into itself. And I, I'm sure the Heat are not banking on him being a, a big part of this playoff rotation.
1: Yeah, it's, he's missed. He, he was a consistent uh, part of the rotation when he was healthy, but I, I don't know if that would be the case if he comes back now just because, like I yeah. said, this, this team has kind of found some, a rotation that works. Um, and it might just be more of a matchup thing with him at this point um, or if someone's injured. Um, but, I, again, I do think he would he would really help and address a need. Uh, for this team, um, from a depth perspective, uh-huh.
0: obviously I, do, I don't think you can go back and like suspend Jokic for extra games now. Yeah. But I wonder if it like this will, the, you know, I wonder if this incident could. I would think it's going to be something brought up in the off season is because it, it was the Grayson Allen thing the other day too, right, where he he fouls. Um, How many? He got one game, and you know, Caruso had suffered like a somewhat serious injury and it's like gonna miss real significant playing time. Um I, I do wonder if yeah, one game. this this incident in particular, uh because of the you know, well it was obviously a really controversial thing when it happened. It kinda of dominated the NBA headlines for about a week. Um and now it's end up it's ended up being again more than like a wrist injury. It's like a potentially serious um like career threatening injury. I do wonder if yeah, it's going to be something that the NBA addresses this off season. Where like, uh, obviously, I don't think they'd ever do something where it's like if you foul, like commit a, a suspendable offense, and the guy you can't come back until the other guy comes back from injury. But I do wonder <laughs> if, if the NBA is going to try to going into next year and beyond be a little bit stricter with with some of these suspensions that come from these injury inducing plays.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, at that point. Uh, you know, when it happened, we didn't, obviously, I don't think any of us predicted Mark Heath to miss this many games. I mean, he was walking off the court. Yeah, exactly. Slowly, he was going to miss a few games, I thought. Did not expect him to be out for three-plus months. Um, yeah. And at the time, I mean, the NBA obviously, you know, issued suspension a day or two after the incident. They didn't know either. Right, so it's like one of those things. Like, do you, like you said, do you retroactively go back and say, yeah, no, like you can't
0: do that? But I think you ended, ended
1: Marquise Morris's season. You're out for two weeks. You know, like, it's it's t- it's a tough spot. Um, but yeah, I think like in those situations, there is fire a conversation that needs to be had if you if you if you cause a serious injury with an incident like that, like you know, with Grayson Allen or with Jokic, should they be suspended for more than one game? I think that's a fair conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, just generally it's gonna lead to probably like these these one game suspensions, which has kind of been like the norm um for every every one of these uh like I, I feel like every suspension I hear about this year has been a one game suspension. Yeah. Um I I just think we might next year those suspensions are gonna be five game suspensions instead. Like it wouldn't surprise me to just see a little bit not not necessarily like a hard and fast rule of being like, if a guy gets hurt, you are suspended for X amount of games or whatever, but just, I think, probably a little bit more serious uh, of a punishment for incidents like that.
1: Yeah, right. I, I, uh, I could see that. I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised by that.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, before we get out of here, um, NBA put out their 15 greatest coaches of all time yesterday. And uh, two championship-winning Miami Heat coaches make the list. Pat Riley, no surprise. Eric Spolstra, again, not a surprise to me, um, but very nice to see him on there because, yeah, I, I, Heat, Heat, hands have, Heat fans have this, uh, like, um, victim complex or whatever where they're always like, oh, Spoh's so underrated. But, I, I don't know, Spoh's not underrated. He's very well appreciated, and this is a good reminder.
1: I do think it's a more recent thing though. I feel like I think so of- too.
0: Yeah, I mean I think like when LeBron, well it's it's the LeBron thing, right? It's when you when LeBron is there like you get blamed for it. Le, LeBron doesn't get blamed for anything from a certain segment of media and fans. And then obviously with another segment he gets blamed for everything. Right. But um you know, he doesn't get blamed for anything. So, and he didn't get I I guess he got blamed for 2011. Um but, you know, he didn't get blamed for 2014, and and I think just the further you get away, like the further guys get away from LeBron, um, it typically uh, I think helps their external appeal or external reputation.
1: The four co- four active coaches who are on the list were Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers, and Spo. Are you surprised by mm-hmm. any of those?
0: Um, no. Oh, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I I don't know why I was kind of surprised by Spo only because I don't I just don't see him as he's Doc out
0: of those too. four Doc is the one I would have like lowest yes. on my list.
1: I think I would agree with you, but I just didn't expect Spo to do that. I just still seems such a young coach, he has so much you know yeah. obviously years ahead of him probably that it was like not surprising from a standpoint of like I don't think he belongs there because I do think he does belong there, but I just didn't consider him in in that kind of. Uh, you know, at that at, at that point of his career yet, right? It just yeah, well, it's pretty impressive that he's already there this early on. Um, and this, I mean, you could argue that very easily. Uh, this year has been his best year.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's one of. Uh, I think I saw a tweet. He's one of four from that list that is not one Coach of the Year. Um, I don't think he's gonna win Coach of the Year this year, but um, this is probably the best case he's ever had
1: to to win it. You don't think he's gonna win it? Who do you think is gonna win it, Billy?
0: I don't know. Billy, um, I don't know, Taylor Jenkins, like, there, there's there's a lot of, like, kind of, uh, I don't know. I just feel like the Heat, you know, it usually goes to a team that's, like, which team overachieved the most. Yeah. And the Heat have overachieved, but, again, like, the Bulls have overachieved more. The Cavs have overachieved The Cavs more. are a good one, yeah. The, the Grizz have overachieved more. Now, I think that might just be, like, John might get the recognition there as, like, first team all NBA or whatever, but, um, you know, there's... I, I'm not saying that Spoh is not going to win it, but it's I think easy, it's yeah. a less than, like, 50% yeah. chance right now, probably. Yeah. Um, so,
1: I'll say this. for as Again, bad, if
0: there's ever a year for him to win it, this has been the year, certainly.
1: For as bad of a luck as the Dolphins fans have had with their coaches since Don Shula left, um, can't complain about the Heat. No. Two of the best 15 coaches ever, uh, pretty much back-to-back, other than that, you know, one or two years of Sandman Gundy. Yeah. Um, it's been Pat Riley and then Spo. so. Yeah, and not, a uh, of, not a whole
0: lot of there's not a whole lot of teams not a whole lot of teams can say they had two of those coaches like for prime years of those.
1: Yeah, the, I guess the Lakers, know, the, only the, Lakers, one Lakers the Lakers the Lakers the Pat and, yeah. and
0: Phil yeah. That's um, pretty much it. That's pretty much it unless there's I don't know the Celtics I guess Doc and, and Red Auerbach yeah. Um, but yeah, like to have a, have one of those coaches win champion, two of those coaches win championships for you, that's, that's pretty good, a company to be in. And obviously, you know, Smo, obviously, is his own guy now, right? He's been doing this long enough that I don't think people think of him as like, just like an extension of the Riley, like coaching, whatever. But that's what he, I mean, it's ultimately what he is. Like, that's, when you have a guy like Pat Riley who runs your team, and obviously, there's been a lot of, those types of coaches who have not done very well as GMs, but like when you have a guy like Pat Riley who's running things for you, it, it, it sets you up to have a good extended run because he can pass it off to a guy like Spo and you know, uh, early in his career could help mentor Spo a little bit and uh it obviously has worked out very well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it was uh any, anytime you're gonna be in a conversation with uh, the history of the Lakers and the Celtics.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: That's uh that's pretty good for the Heat. Pretty good yeah. franchise, relatively speaking. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He's got your coverage of uh, the NBA trade deadline on Thursday. Although, like we said, who knows how eventful it's actually going to be from a heat standpoint. I'm sure it will be eventful around the NBA, though. Um, and obviously, Anthony's got your full explainer of what exactly this trade from Wednesday means for the heat uh, going into the deadline and beyond and into the offseason season. Um, Clearing up that extra bit of space. Uh, anything else you got?
1: That's pretty much it. I mean, we'll have all, We'll talk about this next week. But um, going to be on on site for All Star Weekend in. Uh, oh, right! I forgot you're going. Frosty at. Cleveland to cover yeah. Jimmy Butler and Eric Spoelstra. Yeah. Um, so oh, we need to talk about
0: that. that Spo. I thought he. I thought he was going to do it. I really thought he was going to do it. Yeah. The three-game losing streak just on time, but he's going to Cleveland to coach the All-Star game.
1: Yeah, the first misstep. His first misstep of the season. There you go. What's,
0: uh, what's the scoop? What's the, what are the sources saying? Is he is he pissed off?
1: I mean, <laughs> he was asked about that. So I think Barry Jackson actually asked him. Some people are joking on Twitter that you didn't. You're actually upset that because now you have to go to Cleveland. He's like, I'm not that cynical. It's so not. You know, he, he's obviously going to say the right thing, and it's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's, honest, it's, it's good, and, and not only for him, but for the entire staff to go up there, right? I mean, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, like that's the thing. It's like you think of it yeah. as just being the special, experience like. You know, Karan Butler gets to go coach and Like, yes. you know, some of these guys have done it before. Actually, I don't know. Have any of the guys on this staff? I'm sure some guys on this staff were probably involved at, at some point in an All-Star game. Obviously, Karan is a player. But, like, you know, there's there's new guys every year and new people that get to be a part of it. And it's, you know, it's going to be something to, yeah. to remember for
1: all those guys. They experience it all together. Ollie. So, yeah, I think I think once once they clinch that. They just kind of look at, okay, it's a weekend, right? Let's experience it. Let's enjoy the experience together. It's an honor. It's a good thing because it means we're at the top of the East. Um, So I think that's kind of how they're looking at it at this point. But yeah, I'm sure if Spo didn't get in, he just got a free weekend with his family on a beach somewhere. Yeah, he was going
0: to have a great weekend in Cancun, but he said he'll have a great weekend in Cleveland with Anthony Chang.
1: Yeah, that'll be, it's comparable.
0: (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, I was up at the Senior Bowl. I wrote a lot about Brian Flores. Did not write a whole lot about the Senior Bowl. Um, <laughs> I will be also at Mike McDaniel's press conference on Thursday morning, so um, I'll have some stuff off of that as well. Uh, before our coworker Daniel Oyafusi, who's kind to just keep delaying his uh trip out to LA for the Super Bowl because they keep the Dolphins have kept pushing back this press conference. Um, but. Yeah, other than that, I wrote a feature on Jonathan Huberdeau, um, so if you're interested in the Panthers, who are off for, like, another week at this point because of their All-Star break, really don't understand how the NHL All-Star break is working. Some teams are playing already. Some teams don't play till next week. think some of it is COVID makeup time, but still, um, I'm all over the place, like always. Um, so just follow me on Twitter, at DBWilson2, for all of that. Um, otherwise, though, uh, we will be back next week uh, to recap the trade deadline and... Maybe take a deep dive into the buyout market, um, and I guess talk some all star because uh, it's it's coming right up.